Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, hello, fans of technology. How are you doing today? Um, Great to be broadcasting live again. I was at a couple of trade shows over the last week or so. Um, So um, we're happy to be back. Um, And today's guest is someone who I think in many ways is paving the future of experience, I'll call it. And that is Danilo Mora, who is the co-founder and head of creative services at Loot Interactive, um, which is a company located in Culver City, California. And um, I'm lucky to be part of an organization called VR Society. I sit on their board and they are an organization that is help landing the plane around virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, basically immersive content, helping studios, networks, and companies really understand how to move through this. And so I I got to meet Danilo, who's doing a lot of demos and things at the various events that VR Society is hosting. And most recently this week, got to see some of the work he's doing, and I was just blown away. So welcome to the show, Danilo Mora from Loot Interactive. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, studio Happy to be here. Studio is going mad for you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So tell us, tell us about loot and and your background because um, it's it's so interesting, sort of the move from gaming to VR that that so many of our colleagues, you know, kind of have, and then you're also um, evolving it in all sorts of new directions. So so give us a sense of your background. Awesome. Uh, Loot Interactive is a company that is together for nine years, approaching 10 years. Uh, We started as as a division of Sony Pictures, where we were building gaming experiences that were socially um, engaging our community uh, on the PlayStation 3 through a platform called PlayStation Home, where the users could, you know, I could be on my PlayStation 3, you could be on your PlayStation 3, and we could go together and do a lot of different activities. One of the first things that we did was actually to put Crackle, which is an app that you can watch Sony Pictures movies, inside of PlayStation. So, for example, if we both wanted to watch, for example, Ghostbusters or or Men in Black, and that was available on Crackle, we could go together and watch a movie. Right. We also build up um, a state set experience where the users could make movies and record that to the PS3 hard drive or uh, upload that to YouTube. And we actually saw a community of movie makers to get together and build up those experiences using the tools that we built. Fast forward to um, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, we separated from Sony, we spun out and started our own company, um, and we started building experiences outside of the PlayStation platform, right? On the PlayStation, in addition to PlayStation Home, we built a lot of video streaming apps, like this standard uh, Crackle app that is available in there, NHL, MLB, NBA, you name it. So we have a very diverse background of video streaming uh, expertise and also game development and also making those things to be social. It's an interesting story that the first app available on PlayStation was actually the Crackle app socially. Oh. <laughs> and then That's they so wanted cool. and they wanted to do that also uh, for the PS4 and for the PlayStation Vita. And they came to us and say, hey, as we already built that for multiple users, can you do also the standalone version uh, as a separate app? So that's kind of like how this other business vertical started. And right now we have 11 video streaming apps on PlayStation devices uh, and eight games across PS4 and Xbox One. And what, Laurie, what you saw recently is our endeavor on, you know, building VR experiences that mix, you know, this expertise that we have. Right. And I, I want to back up a little bit and just say what what's so interesting about VR right now is that you have, you know, talent like yourself who came from gaming, who also came from video and, you know, our deep, deep knowledge of creating um, experiences across multiple platforms, because right now, it, you know, it's not ubiquitous when you build something, you have to sort of choose the platform that it's going to be on. And so smartly, your company is able to pivot and spit out things for multiple platforms. So that's the piece one. And then the other piece is that you understand storytelling in an interactive environment. So it makes you guys the perfect candidate now to become uh, VR developers, you know, in in this next 
ecosystem. So um, talk to us a little bit just about your background, though, because um, obviously um, you're not from New Jersey. So where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Brazil. I'm from uh, Belém, which is in the north of Brazil, but I lived in Sao Paulo seven years before actually moving to Los Angeles. Um, I was, before moving here, I was actually building DVDs, you know, so that was kind of like where the video and the interactive t- it started for me. So I started building like DVDs and when Sony was fighting with Toshiba for uh, the Blu-ray versus HDVD platform, they were looking for people that had not just you know like the programming background, but also the video expertise and understand what was what had high definition at that time. So I applied over the internet and I got a job here at Sony Pictures, which sounds mind blowing when I think like what U.S. is going on right now, you know, yeah, like yeah. people, <laughs> people yeah, like to get a job here in the U.S. through the internet you about have been 10 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would not even try it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd be, you'd be totally turned away. So, so totally makes sense. So you came from this experience of building interactive experiences in a DVD environment, which is all click here, go there, do that, that kind of, you know, mentality. And also still the user experience has to be good. So not only do you want to make sure that content gets delivered along the user's way, but it's the user experience. And this is why I'm slightly obsessed with Danilo right now is because the things that he showed me are so beautiful. And so much of what we're seeing right now in VR is still pretty ugly. So, um, and the interface is awkward, but the stuff that Danilo is doing is really beautiful. And I'm skipping ahead, but all right. So, so you, you, you get to Sony and then what happens there? So at Sony, when we joined the... So before getting to Sony, we did a lot of cool things in the DVD, like making those movies where you have like different endings or multi-angle, like that kind of stuff. So Blu-ray was kind of like the same thing, but for amazing movies like Spider-Man, right? Okay, want to work on the Blu-ray disc for Spider-Man with a lot of different features and stuff. So that was super cool. Then when, when Sony won the war... And Blu-ray was the format chosen to be, you know, the next generation. Uh, David Sterling, which is um, my co-founder, you know, is the managing director of Loot. Um, he was at the time <clears throat> business development for the Sony DADC uh, division. And he came to me and said, hey, what's going to be the next big thing? And then I said, well, discus, we know that's going to go away and everything is going to be online. So let's start building experiences. And he had this idea of, you know, if you buy the Ghostbusters Blu-ray disc, you could get a T-shirt in the virtual environment for you to go and meet with your friends and be like a Ghostbusters. And I said, well, that's a cool thing, you know, to promote package media. But there is also building up a bridge. And then when you get to the other side, what do you do? Right. So that's right, when we decided right. that's when we decided to build a Ghostbusters firehouse that was a, that you had a full size Ecto one that you could get inside, turn on the car, you could fly on the mansion, you know, as a slimer. You could do all of those cool things on the Ghostbuster Firehouse. And after that, you know, a lot of things happen. You know, we, we are now almost like ten years like building cool experiences. When and what what made you go into gaming from DVDs? Well, actually, it was my passion from the my early days. I always wanted to be a game developer. Um, interesting story is that when my my first computer class, um, I actually saw a game called Prince of Persia. That you know, it was just like black and white or green and black at that time, you know. And I saw like you know that that game, and I wanted to build it. But everybody told me, hey, there's, there's a market that doesn't exist in Brazil. So that's, you know, the, the closest thing I could get was actually um, to get this, uh, uh, to build up, you know, this uh, this game. But I just couldn't do that in Brazil. So I started um, on my way up to Sao Paulo so I could come here. So I always wanted to be on the game development side. And the first opportunity that I had at Sony, I definitely grabbed it with, you know, everything I could. And here we are. That's a beautiful story. And you're right. That couldn't be, um, that couldn't happen now. (laughs) So I'm glad that you came. (laughs) And then how do you decide as a business, how do you decide as a business, you know, what to, what platform to build on and, and what kind of content to make? So you're, 
you're working on gaming, you're working on Sony PlayStation Home, and now you're moving into VR. Like, as a, you know, uh, the principal at a company, how do you decide, you know, what you're going to pivot on? Uh, we watch very closely where the market is going, right? For example, there was a time where PS3 was the best thing, and then it started, like, fading away to the PS4. And um, we were very much only focused on PlayStation devices on the first six years um, because we were part of Sony and so it just made sense to promote the Sony Pictures movies inside Sony PlayStation. So we had a lot of fun doing all of that. But it was always that, but why only on PlayStation? Why not bringing that to all the other devices, right? So now when we are building an experience, so we start choosing, and also the tools got much better, Laurie. I think that's one a good thing that happened. Um, if you go back six years or seven years ago, there wasn't a tool uh, as popular and as you know multi-platform like today you have on Unity and Unreal. So nowadays, instead of building the same thing six times, if you want to go to six platforms, you can build an experience in Unity or Unreal, and those platforms basically help you to get 60% or 70% of the way to yeah, go yeah. to the other platform. So, but, but you have very specific things. For example, the PlayStation 4 controller has a speaker that is embedded on the controller, right? And that, There's and also that's, a touchpad. That's, that's different than, than other things. I don't mean to cut you off, but we have to cut to a commercial. So when we come back, we're going to dig into more of this idea of generating content for multiple platforms and getting into some of the intricacies of that. More with Danilo Mora, who's the co-founder and head of creative services at Loot Interactive, who is officially um, voted by me personally to be the coolest company um, currently in California. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back in a moment. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous Danilo Mora, who's the co-founder and head of creative services at Loot Interactive, which is a really cool company building experiences across multiple platforms in multiple genres of content. And we were just talking about how now the tools are available now to make it so easy for a company like like um, Danilo's to, to choose what they want to output and on the different platforms. And you were telling us about the controller being different on a PlayStation? Yeah, so you have, you know, difference in between each one of the platforms. For example, on the PlayStation, um, you can also have an accessory that is the PlayStation VR that lets you to be in virtual reality without the necessity of having a computer. But if you have a computer, you can have an Oculus Rift that has the Oculus Touch controllers where you can also have your hands in VR. Uh, same thing with the Oculus uh, uh, um, on the Gear VR. You can have, you know, an easy way to watch a video in 360, but you don't have your hands. So what I'm trying to say is that depending on the platform, you would have different levels of engagement, but you can still build one experience, one core code, one core experience, and then just really 
port that to the different platforms. And that actually opens a lot of different business models, right? Because in the past, we had to just only survive based on, for example, the PlayStation platform. But there was also an audience on Xbox that didn't own a PlayStation. So nowadays, you can really, um, just to answer your question, how do we choose which platform we want to go? Um, it really depends on where the market is going, right? Like right now, it's it would be full not to develop for the PlayStation VR. You know, they have publicly announced more than one million units sold. So it's right, definitely right. a platform that you can start uh, monetizing. Building on. Right. And what's so interesting about PlayStation's model and what's the hiccup for, I think, VR and AR to a certain extent, too, and mixed reality. But for VR is distribution. Like everyone builds these great experiences, but a lot of people can't afford the systems. And so what PlayStation has done is just for a few hundred bucks more, you can use your current PlayStation and, and consume you know, high processor types of content in, in a VR environment. And so that's why PlayStation's release of their VR headset has really changed the game for the consumer. And it's exciting to hear that distribution's finally growing. So, um, so now you're jumping into VR and what kind of VR experiences have you tackled? Um, actually, I just served as executive producer on an amazing piece that had Buzz Aldrin as... Um, Explaining, the astronaut, the astronaut. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin, the astronaut, you know, explaining how he, um, you know, built up a spaceship that can take humans to Mars and, and not just take them and bring it back, but also how to colonize Mars. You know, that was an amazing experience. We worked with 8i and Time Inc. You know, they have a, a distribution platform called Life VR, and they have been building up a lot of amazing experiences. And um, we were tackled, you know, this, hey, how do you uh, take users to the moon and take them to Mars with Buzz? So that was an amazing experience, and I was very excited to work with uh, this amazing team. Uh, that's so interesting, too, because Time Life, I think, has as a publisher, has really rebuilt their brand and emerged as a major, major player again because of VR, right? Because all these publishers were struggling with what is their model if people aren't buying magazines anymore and what's their digital play. But VR now has almost become, you know, the, the salvation for many publishers and Time Life has just run with it and is creating these amazing experiences. So um, at, at what point in the process do you get involved? Are you... Um, are you like one of the principals from day one when they start talking about what they want to do? Like, how does that work? Um, in the case of Buzz Aldrin, we were approached by 8i. You know, it's a company that creates an amazing technology where you can bring real people into VR experiences. So they captured Buzz with 42 high-resolution cameras, and they were assembling that into what they call volumetric video. So you have Buzz talking to you, and um, you could place that into an environment, and you can actually uh, feel like you are connected with him. On our side, what we did was um, we figured out where the user head was, and we made Buzz to look you in the eye. That was one amazing thing for us. And we also built up the experience with them. You know, they came to us and say, hey, um, make a proposal, right? Right, and right. We, we came up with the idea um, of, you know, creating this VR experience that, you know, you would be just seeing a lot of illustrations based on what Buzz Aldrin is saying. And they took this to the next level. You know, they brought also other partners uh, like Fuse Effects that they made, an, they made an amazing job with some of the uh, scenes, you know, building up amazing 3D um, scenes with us. And they also brought team on the sound effects side, you know, to help build the experience. So, it was a collaboration between multiple companies uh, during eight months. So I'm, I'm happy right. that you know most people uh, are you know blown away when they see the experience. I mean, and I and I got to see it um, the other day, and I and I was blown away. And it's funny because I have I've been you know a strategist at looking at VR, but I haven't been the hugest fan because one, I don't like shoot 'em up games, and I'm not a, a horror movie person, and that's been the you know most of the content prior to this year, but this year you're starting to see some really interesting artful applications of VR that are more about teaching and experiencing, you know, new genres of content. And so when you plopped me 
into this environment, I was blown away because Buzz was talking to me. And that's the magic of this volumetric video is you're actually putting a video element inside of a virtual environment and it's attached to the floor. Like it's not floating around. It feels like Buzz is there with you. And that's a mind blow um, that, that that's happening. Um, and so interesting the way you guys did it. The other yeah, thing I would, that, I, yeah, I would encourage a lot of people to, to try it out, this experience. You know, if they have access to an Oculus Rift or to an HTC Vive to download, it's free on Steam. Uh, you can just go and, and, and watch it. There's a lot of very yeah, interesting and, and what's things it, that we did in there. What's it called, Danilo? What's it called again? It's called Buzz Aldering Cycling Pathways to Mars. So interesting. And you were saying there's a lot of interesting things in it, like like what? So you have this eye to you know this eye connection with Buzz, and he talks directly to you. But you're yeah. also free to walk around. So it's a room scale experience. So you can look around. But we did a lot of very interesting things in this piece. For example, the way you transition between these scenes, it's through a pulse effect. You know, so you you even if you're looking in in a, in a different direction. When you transition the scenes, you can see that scene deconstructing coming back to the platform that you're staying. And we always see people, you know, coming back and looking to the direction that we want them to look. You know, you're going to see a lot of people on the storytelling side saying that, oh, VR is challenging because you don't know where the user is looking at. Well, you can play with also the spatial sound. You know, the sound is 3D. It, actually, humans are pretty good at to understand where the sound is coming from. So you can also use, you know, visual clues and sound clues to guide where you want the users to look at. The other thing that we did was really interesting is that you have 11 scenes through the whole experience. And you can actually watch it from the beginning to the end without seeing a loading screen. We call this like the seamless scene transaction. And we basically created, a, I use it a game technique. To, and, do, to know, do that. To, to start loading the next scene while you're going to the current scene. You know, and this is actually something that I feel like from a storytelling perspective is very important because you don't want to watch like a two minutes piece and, you know, get stuck into a loading screen for five seconds. Even those five seconds kind of like disconnect you, you know, from the storytelling experience. So I feel like the, the, the buzz outing experience is an amazing piece because it has all those elements together. And that was, I have to say, one of my favorite things that you did do was that the transitions were not awkward and weird. They were actually really, really, um, you know, integrated and part of the artfulness of the experience. And so it didn't take me out and I didn't feel weird. And in fact, it enhanced it. You know, it was, and that's that's the piece that I've been missing from VR is it's been very awkwardy feeling and this felt very integrated. And I was never turned on by Mars before. And now I find myself, you know, <laughs> being turned on by Mars. And plus bald, um, Buzz Aldrin's like, isn't he like a hundred years old and he's still doing amazing things? <laughs> it's just a, a total mind blow what, what he's up to. Now, you also shared with me some other things. Can you talk about the other projects that you're working on? Uh, yeah, so actually today was the official press release of the next event that VR Society is putting together. You know, it's the art of VR at the Sotheby's. You know, for anyone that doesn't know what the Sotheby's is, the biggest broker in fine arts has been selling um, uh, arts and collectors. Uh, and it has this collector's audience like since the 1700s. They have an amazing office in um, New York, you know, close to the Central Park. And they are opening six or seven floors of that space, you know, to celebrate the art of VR. And they are collecting, they're getting all of the museums together. So you're going to have Guggenheim, MoMA, LACMA, all of those guys in just like one space to talk about how VR can be used in many different areas, right? Um, we see specifically talking about the museums, three areas for VR, right? You can scan a museum that already exists and then you bring them into uh, a VR headset and you can visit that virtually. So imagine you can put uh, your headset and visit the Louvre, for example, right? You could go to a, a museum that you would like to go without having to travel or actually helping you to plan where you want to go next. Like those kind of things are, are awesome. The experiences that we are actually bringing to uh, the Sotheby's for the art of VR, it's uh, the Apollo 11 Museum. 
So we created a museum that is not constrained by real physics. So we have, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say too much about it, yeah. <laughs> but we have, we have uh, like, you know, imagine just a museum that is not constrained by physics. So you can have things floating and, you know, a lot of holograms to explain, you know, what was this amazing thing that, by the way, Buzz Aldrin was part of it, right? It was uh, NASA landing a human on the moon uh, in 1969. So you actually follow the journey of the rocket, you know, the Saturn V, all the way from the Earth, landing, bringing the, the astronauts, you know, like to the moon, and then how they came back uh, to Earth. And the other experience that we have, just to quickly go over it, uh, it's the Harold Lloyd Museum. A lot of people may uh, know Herod as, you know, a famous actor on the silent movie era. He made amazing movies like Safety Last. And, you know, they have all of those amazing experiences, but he was also one of the founding fathers of cinema. And he always pushed technology to the next level. He was the president of the 3D Society, you know, the first, you know, stereoscopic society. He has been pushing 3D uh, since he got engaged with it uh, in 1923. So he has a collection of more than 200,000 3D pictures from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And we got together with his granddaughter, Sue Lloyd, and she uh, has been giving us access to the archives, to the Oscar that he received, and all the awards, and the users will actually be able to not just see those 3D pictures um, at the Sotheby's, but you know, later the year, uh, the users will be able to go and visit this museum through a new platform called um, Project Sensor from Linda Labs, the creators of Second Life, and we can talk more about it uh, later. That was also a mind blow, um, but the, the the spaceship thing was also a mind blow too because I was inside of the timeline and watching it kind of, you know, launch and then come into pieces. And again, I've never been like, you know, into that kind of stuff. And because of the experience that you've created, the artfulness of it and just how interesting it is to be inside of these worlds, um, I found myself, you know, being turned on by it, you know, which... Um, I can see, like, I immediately saw myself as, like, a high school kid being bored by someone talking about space. And now, all of a sudden, if I'm 16 and you're plopping me in this world, I'm going to get really excited about science, right? And, and we feel like this is an amazing way to, you know, revolutionize education. You know, it's oh really, it's a different way for you to learn something instead of, you know, reading a book. Not to say that it's not interesting, but, you know, you, when you really feel like you were there and you can, in a narrative way, unfold a story, you know, this is a framework that should be used for a lot of different um, experiences. Oh, my God. It's a mind blow. All right. Well, we're going to come back and talk more about, you know, the future of um, Second Life, which is another really interesting platform, in a moment with the fabulous Danilo Mora from Loot Interactive, Blowing our minds and bodies in all sorts of ways. <laughs> Back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous Danilo Mora from Loot Interactive. And Loot is a company that is just 
doing all sorts of interesting content creation across new platforms. And we were just talking about the future of VR and some really interesting uh, projects that Danila has uh, been involved with. But now um, we were just talking, um, beginning to talk about the future of virtual environments, which is even a different conversation. And if any of you are familiar with Second Life, Second Life was a platform where you could go into it, log in and create an avatar and actually experience life with other avatars. And it literally became a place that you signed into um, and people were buying you know, houses there and paying taxes and buying clothes and all sorts of things. My issue with Second Life was always that there was a steep learning curve um, in learning how to, to leverage the platform. But how many users does Second Life still have at this point, Danilo? Do you know? I'm not sure if I can disclaim, but it actually made many, multiple hundred thousands of dollars in virtual goods you know, so right. last people, year, people you know, there's still a, a decent money. amount of people that are, you know, active into that platform. Um, as it was also on PlayStation Home, which was the platform that we had, you know, like six years of experience inside of PlayStation. But that platform stayed on the PS3 and doesn't exist now um, on the PlayStation 4. So when when we uh, left Sony and we approached, you know, Linden to, you know, say, hey, we want to build for Second Life. They told us, hey, I would actually recommend you to build for the next platform, which is called Project Sensor. So you have a platform being built from the ground up for VR. But the cool thing that I like about it um, is that it's not VR only. So you see a few platforms, for example, um, not to say that that's not a good thing, but like Facebook spaces, you need to have an Oculus Rift and you need to be um, in VR to take full advantage of it, right? You can join in just through your phone, through an audio or a video conversation. Um, but the cool thing about um, Project Sensor, it's like Second Life with much better graphics and you have um, full body avatars that look realistic. You guys can go into different places. So those museums that we are building for Project Sensor, they will also be made available through different platforms that are not necessarily on Sensor. But when you are on Sensor, you can be voice chatting and text chatting with other people. And you guys can decide to go to multiple places. It's not like I'm going to be downloading one app and uh, you know, loading one app and going to another. I'm kind of like always in that world with my friends and could be doing many different things. That's the coolest thing, you know, um, that Second Life and PlayStation Home had. Right. And we were talking when I was hanging out with you that that could become like where you have international classrooms or where people who speak different languages could learn new language or literally without having to get on a plane, you could finally really meet with everyone. Um, and I remember when I was playing around with Second Life, I was thinking, I'm going to make myself taller and thinner, you know, <laughs> just because why not? But what what do you think, what are you seeing out there in terms of like content trends, tech trends, even marketing trends that are really setting the stage for all of this? I think the level of realism is getting into an amazing place. Like I was, uh, just a few weeks ago was the Vision Summit conference. You know, it's kind of like a unity conference that happened on the Lois Hotel. And they were showing all the amazing new cool technology, right? Like a Facebook 360 camera that uh, it's actually volumetric. So you're not just capturing a 360 video that actually have a spatial data and you can actually walk around I think right now what VR has with 360 video, you know, you're fixed in a position, right? You're fixed on where the camera was. And now the camera is capturing actually a space around it and you feel much more, you know, like immersed into the experience. That also allows you to change like the light of the scene, to remove a background or to focus, you know, depending on if something's closer or far away, uh, to the camera through depth map. So there's like a lot of technology. So I feel like the first trend is, it's gonna get much more realistic, you know, much more interesting for the users and another, a lot of other use cases will be available when those things come through. And the other one is social, where, you know, you would be able to connect to this group of friends and do things not necessarily being on the same um, city or the same house. 
So you can finally really, it's the social piece and it's the democratization of technology because we now have a couple years of social media and social platform sharing. And so people now are natively used to, you know, logging on to something and sharing content. So there's sort of a different, different mentality out there now. Yeah, I usually get people to, to ask me a question like, you know, why, why in VR? Right. If right. we could just like do a, a voice chat or even the way we were talking, we're all part of the same podcast, but, you know, you are in a different place than I am. Um, the coolest thing is that, you know, when you're moving your hands in VR and the way you are looking and where you're doing, I, I could point to things, right? Yes. Being in the space. I think that's the coolest thing about the museum uh, spaces that we are building. You know, you will be able to be with someone walking through that experience or watching a movie together, all of those things, you know, it's it's really the next level of iteration, you know, where you actually will feel like you were there and you guys will be able to draw in space, bring like a T-Rex full size if you want to and then give a class and explain, you know, how those amazing creatures lived on the earth before, you know, everything happened, you know. So it's, it's an amazing way to explain things that... Um, it would just be hard to get it through illustrations, you know. So I really feel like it's it's an immersive way to to educate, and I think that's going to revolutionize the way people learn things. Uh, I I think that is so is so well put because that was my immediately immediate feeling that um, you know everything's going to change now because of this, um, you know, and that we're we're sort of raising. Um, kids and tweens that, you know, will easily adapt to this, you know, which is what Gibson always wrote about and all the other science fiction freakazoids <laughs> we're talking about. Now, does does AI, which comes up a lot on this show, artificial intelligence, does that play a role in the stuff that you're doing? Is, is AI a factor in building these virtual worlds? Is that technology allowing a lot of this to happen as well? Yes, you can always, um, you know, rely on the computer to answer things for you, right? Yeah. Um, we we haven't been much involved with AI, AI at the moment, you know, with artificial intelligence. Uh, what, but some of the software that we use actually have been, you know, delivering amazing results because the software using a deep learning mechanism, you know, so the software starts like learning just by the amount of users that are building it, you know, so I, I can totally see this becoming um, a, a huge thing. And um, I saw an experiment um, with IBM Watson. Yeah. That was show. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you could really feel like you were talking to someone, but of course that's a machine, <laughs> you know, right. getting, getting all the answers for you. I'm always fascinated to um, AR as well, right? When yeah. you put you put the goggles on, something like you know, um, not not necessarily to fully replace your vision, right? But something that augments what you're seeing, and you can just make a question: Hey, where is the closest coffee shop? You know, and it can just point you to that direction. Or um, I actually have an Alexa device at home. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, we talk about Alexa a lot on this show too, because yeah. I have them all throughout. I have them in almost every room. I, yeah. I have two at home now, you know, and, and usually in the morning when you're getting ready and just look, hey, Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? You know, it helps yeah. us. You know, it's just like a natural way to to interface with the machine. You know, I've, I I've just find fascinating. You know, we, we use it a lot to. To, to, yeah, to, it aids. To play to, music, to do yeah, everything. You yeah, know, to, to, to access content, basically. And so what, what we're really talking about, all these things that you're building and that we're talking about is really the future of how we experience content, how we experience each other, how we discover content too. Um, you know, but how important is it when you know you're building something like this to think about how people are going to use it, or are you less focused on that and more focused on the content itself? We are more focused on creating experience where people would be there together. Right, so all of those experiences that we are building, they're not necessarily on the AI and artificial intelligence, you know, component to to answer the things for us. What we are doing is to create this narrative, you know, like the way you saw the the space museum, where as you're walking through, there's an audio, an original audio of that particular moment in time, and that's kind of 
you know, explains to you. And we are building this experience so you can do that with other friends. And I can totally see having famous, you know, astronauts, not to say some names, you know, to potentially visit the space with you. You know, and they would be able to talk to multiple people about their experience and stuff. So I feel like those are spaces they will help uh, group people. Right. With the similar yes. interests, you know, so, okay, I'm into silent movies. Okay. Well, you, or I want to learn about photography or, you know, 3d, then you can actually go into, uh, like the Harold Lloyd museum and then you can walk away from that experience saying, Oh my God, you know, now, now I like this, you know, like the way you were talking about space. Yeah. It, it changed. <laughs> it really did change my perspective on it because I mean, I always think space is interesting, but now I'm like intrigued in a different way like it opened up a possibility in my head and when science is under attack right now and we're trying to make sure that our kids understand the value of science um, you know it's so exciting to see a platform like this that will actually um, revolutionize teaching and experiences uh, you know and all that kind of stuff I mean are you someone and we'll talk about this in the next segment but are you someone that is you know up early in the morning reading everything just to keep up Yes, <laughs> and, I, and and I and when I'm driving or anything is happening, I'm always trying to get my knowledge through audiobooks or podcasts or something. You know, just and be always connected. And of course, you're connected. listening to the uh, to the Tech Cat Show, of course. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll find out from Danilo where where he's going to be next. What are some of the things? specific things that you're reading, doing, make sure that you're at so that our audience can can understand how they can to play in this space. So we're going to be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show with Danila Mora, who is the uh, co-founder and um, creative director over at Loot Interactive. Um, again, the company that blew my mind this week, and um, I'm trying to pick up the pieces as we speak. <laughs> okay, <laughs> We'll be awesome. back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we are back talking to Danilo Mora from Loot Interactive um, and having our minds blown by this sort of future of content and experiences in virtual environments. And Danilo, I was just asking you, like, you know, where do you go and what are you reading to keep up? Because someone like you who's always looking out to the next thing to build, you know, how do you what, what are you reading? Are you an avid reader? Do you get up every morning and just consume multiple newsletters? Like, how are you moving through this? Everything, you know, like from, you know, like listening to podcasts like yours, you know, going to um, uh, roll the VR, upload VR, all the different, you know, like I follow also all the, the different magazines and I have them bookmarked into my uh, my Chrome. So every time I open my web browser, like it shows like five, six things and then I just quickly, you know, snap to it and see so, what so it is. Uh, upload VR and World of VR are good companies to follow or publishers to follow to keep up with this space. Yes, it's Road Road to VR. You know, it's, it's a VR. website. Yeah, that I, I really like reading. Um, they they're always you know into all the conferences that I, I can't just go everywhere, right? right? We also have to be at some of the conferences. Uh, and you, you asked before, like, where would we be, right? Yeah. So next next week, Lead Interactive will be participating uh, at Digital Hollywood, 
you know, it's going to be held here in Los Angeles at the Skirball. We will have a booth, and me and David and my creative lead, Christian Larson, we will be participating on panels. We will have a booth so people can actually take a look at, look, have a sneak peek, you know, of the experiences that we are building. And of course, also see the experience that we um, already have available. We will also have um, our entire portfolio there so people can go and see, for example, the Basaldian experience or any other VR experience that we have built. Um, so I'll be speaking with Christian in a panel um, next Wednesday. Um, about virtual reality as a technology for creating entertainment experiences that are related to space. And of course, that's why, you know, we will be part of this digital Hollywood. After that, we will be part of the Art of VR, which right. will be held at the Saturdays in VR in the Sky, which is going to be in July at the One Trade Center. And, and it does seem like there are a lot of VR events, but what I love about VR Society's organization, and please all check it out, vrsociety.com, is that they are pulling together the big companies and the small companies and the people that, that are really doing real things in the space um, to, to move this forward. Because you do need someone to come along and kind of land the plane um, because I think there'll be a lot of companies that won't be in business next year as you know, there's so much uh, funding flooding VR right now for new companies and companies like yours who already have long history in content creation um, to me, it seems like you're the ones that are going to be around as opposed to these little guys that just pop up with a ton of money from Silicon Valley and then go away because they don't have any history in operationalizing content creation. Yeah, you always need to figure out that sometimes we see some of those companies, oh, we do this and we do that and all of that. Like, okay, what, what exactly do you do? You know, so there's a lot of companies that when you really, you know, open the hood, and you, you don't really see a lot in there. So I feel like some of those companies, um, they they came and then they're already gone. It's kind of surprising, right? Like I started seeing some, some companies going away and I was like, wow, I thought that those guys were, you know, trying to build something amazing. But I think this is just natural, right, of right. any uh, ecosystem, right? We also were always looking to understand where the industry is going. So when we were in you know, an amazing shop that was building like Blu-ray discs, right? We 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 enjoyed that wave, but we also knew that at one point this will fade to the next way that people want to, you know, enjoy entertainment experiences. And that's why, you know, at the moment we see uh, VR and AR coming, you know, and staying here for I don't know, hopefully. 10, 20 years until the next big thing shows up. But right now we are having an amazing time on building those VR experiences. Yeah, it's so, it's so smart because, uh, and this is why I always sort of want to look at all content across the board to understand how things are moving. And your your background, you know, you have a background of, of creating in multiple platforms and just keeping your eye, you know, open for what's next, which I think is how you, you live in this world, <laughs> otherwise, you know. Um, now, are, are your are your kids little? How old are your kids? I have one kid that is two girls. One is eight. The other one is five. And I kind of like really start believing in VR after showing them. You know, I have a PlayStation VR and a Vive at home. I also take the Oculus Rift almost every weekend <laughs> to my house. I do things like, uh, we call like the game days, yep. where they invite their friends. And I really, like my wife goes away to do something, right? And I have like 10, 11 kids playing all kinds of video games. I literally connect the PlayStation, the Xbox, the Oculus Rift, all of them together, right? Yes. And what I see is when people, when those kids start playing into VR and their parents come to pick them up, they, they're totally sold. It's like, dad, dad, we need to buy this thing. And they make their parents to put on the headsets. And the, and the parents are also blown away on the different kind of games, right? Um, like my favorite games in VR are, believe it or not, like zombie shooters. You know, like there's something about, you know, like playing those kind of games in VR that are like completely different, right? But yeah. there's also amazing experiences that usually the kids want to show to their moms, which is like painting in VR which also relates to what the VR society is doing. You know, there's going to be a third area of VR um, that will be available on the Sotheby's that is artists building these volumetric paintings that you can only see. Or you can see it outside of VR, but it really makes a lot of sense when you actually feel like you're inside of the painting, 
you know right and, right and all of those different use cases you know make me believe that you know on the next day when they wake up they're like daddy can i play in vr daddy can i play in vr they always ask you know and and before it was always like hey can i get the ipad so i feel like you know kids when they start really feeling that they are engaged have, have you ever seen like your kid like trying to get and touch the tv right? yeah so oh, I, yeah of course of course yeah like so they, now they my think kid, everything is touchscreen my kids, they see those pictures that I'm taking. With, I have a Ricoh Feta, you know, a 360 camera, and I take a lot of pictures. So when they touch the picture and they try to spin it to see what's the environment, right? They say, Daddy, why did you use the 360 camera for this? You know, for them, it's just like natural. They just really absorb the new technologies. And that's what makes me believe. And I'm like, yeah, I think we are really on the right track, you know, because when, when I see them getting so fascinated about all the different kind of games and when they go back to playing a regular game, they're like, yeah, it's cool, but I really want to feel like I'm stepping into the game. I, I love that you're using your kids as a focus group because I, I do that too. And you're so right. When, when those young minds grasp onto something, you know, that, that it totally has a future. Are you at all worried about the impact VR will have on like a young brain or anything like that? Because I know there hasn't been a lot of looking at that, but I, th I just think about it for a second. Well, I also feel like, you know, I do homework with my kids too, you know, and yeah. they have to go and sit down and, and, and do those sometimes boring exercises for them, right? right? So I feel like if there's a different way that they can learn things and understand the importance of the foundation that they are getting right now as being age of eight and five, you know, it's so important for them what they will need in the future that I always try to contextualize so they understand why they have to solve this math problem, right? why they need to learn this thing or that. So I feel like... I'm very fascinated about it. I'm not necessarily, I don't let them play too much in VR because there's just an unknown uh, potential impact in their eyes because their vision is still being developed, right? But they see me playing and they see also me doing a lot of stuff and we talk about it, you know, in, in many different ways. So I feel like um, I'm just, you know, being prudent, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, yeah, you're, yeah. I, to I totally get it. You're watching it, but you're you're also you know, exploring it as well. Well, we're going to wrap up in a moment, but tell us where we can find you, where we can keep track on you. Is it lootinteractive.com? Are you someone that tweets? Give, it, give, us, give us some of your handles so we can follow you. Uh, yeah, I would say the best way to find us is to look for, uh, we are very active on Facebook and Twitter. So, you, you know, on Twitter, it's at Loot Interactive. You can also visit our website at www.lootinteractive.com. And my personal account is Danilo MMS on Twitter. Nice. MMS. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and are there any games that you've just built that are coming out that gamers can check out? Uh, we have eight games across PS4 and Xbox One. I can't talk about the game that we are building right now, but um, hopefully in the next few months I can talk about it. But it's it's something that is um, we have been spending a lot of time building an amazing experience that people will play in VR. Oh, oh my gosh. All right. Well, we'll have you back on um, to blow my mind up again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to the fabulous Danilo Mora, who is the co-founder and creative director over at Loot Interactive, who is just a hot company doing the most fascinating things across the future of content, VR, gaming, all sorts of new experience. Thank you so much, Danilo. Um, definitely want to have you back really soon because you'll keep us in the know of, awesome. of what's happening out that. Thanks, everybody. Thanks Look so much. To, um, having having you join us again on the Tech Cat Show next week, where hopefully someone will blow our minds again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's so Thank messy. Thank you for having us. Danilo, when you blew my mind, it was so messy. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 